This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. like recording these after game of thrones is a real mistake (laughs) every week i just come in so mad and i have to do my friendly book podcast especially this week where i have to where we're reading kids books for kids book week yeah it's children's book week it's children's book week on the podcast that we do that is called hey everybody welcome to overdue it's a podcast (laughs) about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew and it is the the hundredth children's book week andrew well nice you know that no i didn't know they've been doing it for this long yeah it was formerly run by like the children's book council but it is now administered by the like nonprofit arm called every child a reader and it was founded a hundred years ago by a librarian named franklin matthews my notes don't say franklin but i think that must be me mistyping i'm not sure um along with frederick melcher from publishers weekly and Ann carol moore from the new york public library who just thought that maybe kids should have some some uh some better books maybe i feel i actually feel like this is something that i probably learned briefly in one of our other children's book week episodes and then i forgot about it's possible (laughs) but that's you know that's the joy of of our podcast is we can just keep learning the same facts over and over again yeah repetition is key to learning is what i found true so this week we are not talking about game of thrones explicitly we can talk about it a little i'm just so I don't I've got a lot of thoughts. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. <laughs> just there are thoughts, and I'm sure that anybody who gets caught up in the show will too have thoughts. Mm-hmm. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week we are we are talking about two different children's books, as you can probably surmise from the title because of how podcasts work. Um, I read Fungus the Boogeyman or Bogeyman. Uh, by Raymond Briggs and Andrew what did you read I read Dragons Love Tacos by Adam Rubin and Daniel Salmieri okay the New York Times bestseller oh good I don't does your do you have the hardcover copy of your book or I not no I do I no it is a okay. big floppy copy <laughs> You know, a paperback then is what those are called. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's big and the and the cardstock is of good quality. So I yeah, that's like... what, no. I was just I because I've got the hardcover copy. This is a a um, copy of the book that my brother in law got me for our pending child's shirt. Oh, sure. <laughs> and it's it's one of the I don't know if this is always the case with hardcover books, but it has the typical dust jacket. But then you take the dust jacket off, and underneath is just the same cover of the book oh that's nice as opposed to a blank cover as opposed to a blank cover which is not like i took it off and i was like oh yeah a blank cover would not be fun for kids huh not at all no 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 um no i had to buy my copy from like an online thrift books website like Mm -hmm. i have a used copy 
Um, I'm not quite sure what edition it is, though. There is a sticker on the top that says, Now a major television drama. I'm not quite sure what that means. People collect the first editions of books, and I want to start, maybe we need to start, in fact, a collection, like a public collection of the now a major motion picture version of books <laughs> that'd be pretty because it's a very specific like the lord of the rings went through this phase oh, where yeah. there was like vigo mortensen on every cover of every book well, and then sometime like a decade after they were like okay let's go back to art now yeah <laughs> let's go back to some art all of the all of the copies of like hunger games that have jennifer lawrence on them and whatnot. right yeah, yeah yes yeah. yes yes um so i had not heard of fungus the bogeyman it was actually he looks like a shrek he does look kind of like a shrek um <laughs> he was uh recommended to us actually by one of our patreon supporters thank you daniel um who said this is a 70s existential british monster story and crypto anthropology <laughs> guide disguised as a children's graphic novel wow okay that sounds like a lot yeah uh his second grade teacher mrs plumley gave it to our class to read and it's been a favorite ever since if there's ever been a more second grade teacher name than mrs plumley i would love to <laughs> mrs. hear it plumley yeah that's pretty rock it's yes. it is it is a name from like a beverly clear clear yes. novel yes 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 mm-hmm. um now andrew are you familiar with raymond briggs do you know who he is I have no idea who he is. So he is. Is the, he? Should I know who he is? He's a British illustrator and author. He is the guy who made the Snowman. Do you know the book, oh, the Snowman? That, yeah, the sno- where the book where the Snowman kidnaps a child. Well, it's even more explicitly a kidnapping in the animated adaptation. Where I, he, well, that's that's my main experience of it is the animated adaptation where a snowman kidnaps a child. It's <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> so Mr. Briggs uh, made this book just before he made the snowman. So we'll talk about the snowman first. Snowman was written in 1978. And yeah, a kid makes a snowman at night. It comes to life, parties in his house, wears his dad's clothes, rides a sick motorcycle, and then they like fly into the sky. And then in the animated feature, uh, a child voice sings, we're flying through the air. Yes. Boop, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that they creepy, meet. sad song that plays. There's like a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, he meets Santa Claus and then they come back and then the snowman melts. Um, and that was that book has no words in it whatsoever. And it's very clean and um, very peaceful and fungus the bogeyman which came two years prior <laughs> you say it's it's very clean which makes me feel like fungus has like a bunch of cussing in it there's not cussing it's just everything's dirty and it's there's so many words it's like overflowing with goofy wordplay and stuff mm-hmm. um briggs was he actually like went into illustration and art like from an early age um he was born to a milkman and a former ladies' maid in 1934, which should tell you that's like older British generations where people were former ladies' maids, I suppose. And current milkmen. Yes. <laughs> um, and he went to art school in the 40s and 50s and then started as a professional illustrator in 1958. He won some awards for an edition of Mother Goose, as well as some later books. Um, his trilogy in the 70s or not a trilogy but it's a trio of books that used a similar format um father christmas which is about a curmudgeonly santa father christmas goes on holiday which is probably about that same santa and fungus the bogeyman 
Um, and yeah, they are formatted like a graphic novel. I'll show it to you on the camera, Andrew, if you can oh, see Oh, please that. show me on the webcam. Can yes. you kind of see how it's like panels, but then like big I can't, random... but the text, is, the text is surprisingly dense for a... Very dense. For, both for a children's book and for a graphic novel, Yes, quite. Um, he did go on to produce a couple books for adults that were graphic novels, including uh, Gentleman Jim, which was like anti-nuclear war <laughs> and one called The Tin Pot Foreign General and Old Iron Woman, which was anti the Falklands War. What? <laughs> I like Raymond okay. Briggs a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, he's still alive and kicking. I think his most recent book was in 2015. Um, and he was. The, what, what was it protesting? I'm curious. I don't know what it was for being. 70 something i'm not sure what or 80 something i'm not sure what Mm -hmm. it was um he did uh he wrote an article in the guardian um it was in a series called my writing day where they just ask a bunch of authors like what their writing days are about like what's your span of day what's your routine and he mostly just used as it used it as an opportunity to talk about like his wife who died very young from leukemia and the other woman he spent the rest of his life with it was kind of sweet um and it was just i was fine i I find that kind of article sometimes frustrating because i feel like the 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 unasked question in every one of those interviews is like what's the what's the secret yes what's the secret to writing good and feeling like a writer and I don't think you ever get there. I feel like as as a as a writer who's worked primarily from home for like seven years, I feel like you never you you always feel like you're wasting time and you never feel like you're getting anything done, even though you have like a list of things that you sure yes. But but yeah, people are looking for some kind of like system, and I just I just feel like it doesn't work that way. No, like oh, I I get up at ten and I have a piece of toast and it inspires me to write 750 words every morning like no i don't think that's how it goes for most people no and he said that his writing days were like 5 p.m to midnight when all the shops and banks were closed and all the people that you're working for have gone home and you can just get to work um he did i do relate to that yes he did say that would that would then get uh interrupted when his neighbor in the apartment building he was living in uh Jean is he the woman he met and then married for a few years before she passed away mm-hmm. um but yeah it's just an interesting article because i was just like oh sir you could have just told us about a routine instead of you just told us about two people who are important to you you're a sweet man mr briggs mr bogey briggs um <laughs> apparently andrew paul mccartney wrote a song inspired by this book called bogey music <laughs> paul mccartney it's it's off the album McCartney Two. Have you are you familiar with this album? It's just it's is I think his the first McCartney, if I recall correctly, is the first album that he did after the Beatles, mm. and in fact, like they they were they were going through this thing where like they knew they were breaking up, but they hadn't announced it yet because their last album hadn't come out yet. And McCartney like allegedly like made all of them pretty upset by announcing that they were broken up and also that this album of his was coming out. <laughs> I don't know about McCartney too specifically because I don't remember I don't remember when Wings started and ended. Sure, sure. But um 
Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Paul, why McCartney, I know about Paul McCartney does the vocals, the guitar, the bass guitar, the keyboards and the drums on this song. Yeah, that makes um, sense. According to BeatlesBible.com, McCartney was <laughs> asked to write music for a soundtrack to a film version, um, although that adaptation never happened, so he just made the track anyway. Um, uh, commonly held to be one of the least successful cuts on the McCartney 2 album. That says. is not surprising to me. <laughs> it was born of his belief in having fun during spontaneous recording sessions. What's the funniest Paul McCartney song that this could have been the inspiration for? Like, Let It Be, uh, Yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm Amazed. <laughs> um, what the, uh, What's the Christmas song that he made? Oh, simply, uh, having? simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. Okay, it's probably about this. Actually, that was about the snowman. That, <laughs> he's got a whole song cycle about Raymond Briggs books yeah. <laughs> called McCartney 2 is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's talk about fungus. Tell me about fungus. Let me tell you about fungus. Tell so me about it, this Shrek looking guy. He's a he's a bogeyman who lives in, I guess, bogeydom. What's Bogey, a bogeyman? Um. He's a big green monster. I mean, it like it's a boogeyman. It's a it's an indeterminate mythical creature that is used to to frighten children into good behavior. I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's the like you know boogeyman in general, like oogie boogie and all that kind of stuff. Um, in this book, they are a, like subterranean species that lives uh, down in bogey land or whatever it's called, bogeydom. Um, and they, uh, they're super gross. Like, I guess what, overall, there's parts of this book that feel very much for kids that are about like poop, gross, icky stuff. And that's hilarious. If you're a kid, how icky can we make these, these bogeys? Like they sleep in a bed, but they love that the bed is all wet and cold. Like they love having wet, cold sheets (laughs) and they they put on like gross, damp clothes and they keep their clothes in like a sink overnight to make sure that when they put them on, they're extra gross. Mm -hmm. Um, And they like pus and they drink slime and everything. This is all very gross. This is gross. Um, And so like, it's all it maps pretty cleanly for the most part uh, to like opposites. So anything that we might want to be like warm or hot, they want it to be cold. Everything we as like humans want to be clean or dry, they want it to be like wet or so they, dirty. they drink room temperature coffee. Definitely. I think they because probably we want dr- we want it either hot or cold. Well, here's an interesting in thing because you okay. know me, I love to drink my mud in the morning, and I you bet do love your cup of mud. That I do. One love- time you put orange juice into it because you were sick, and I think about it all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we've all done things we can't take back. <laughs> let's let's say. Um, and so, like early on, you get this like, oh, it's a it's a goofy poop book for kids to laugh at and like that's great like it makes total sense um because sure. it's one of those like it's upside down world right it's like um as i've been saying it's like everything that we tell kids should be this way it's like all the all the boogeyman love it the other way yeah because ki- kids young kids my experience with young kids is that they like things where you can just be like oh that's silly that's so yeah silly. it's very silly mm-hmm. um but it is also very 
word driven. Um, so there's lots of. I mean, just, I found that most books tend to be. You know what I mean, though. There's it's very dense the language. There's lots of it. Okay. There's mm-hmm. um. So we're let's okay. Here's just a snippet talking about the the bogey boots that they wear. <laughs> um. The bogeyman has a horror of drying out and of losing his smell. Particularly, he has a horror of getting dry feet. The feet are the smelliest part of the bogeyman. Their bogey boots are watertight and are filled with a mixture of dirty water and groom, uh, footnote, or gleet, footnote, after being put on. And then there's two footnotes. Uh, Groom is a fluid of a thick, viscous consistence, and gleet is a purier purulent or morbid discharge and this is below a a a box above the page where uh bogey is his name is fungus obviously fungus is sticking his head into his trousers and goes "Mm, these really stink so Mm -hmm. giving you a sense of like the highbrow lowbrow humor going on in this book and also Mm -hmm. you can hear already it's very um, it is. It's taxonomical. Like it's welcome to the land of the bogies. I'm gonna like. Th- there's not a narrator, but it's almost like you are getting explanations of this world, just like grafted onto the page all the time. There's not like a plot. Um, he is a bogeyman who goes to work and he comes home. That's the action of the book. <laughs> But along the Bogeymen way, bogeymen are just like us. They except are. They're the opposite. Okay, a couple things that are not quite opposites. But when he like, instead of calling your wife, because he does have a bogey wife. I think her name is Fergus. What's her name? I don't Fergus. Know. Uh, that might be his friend. I don't remember. Fergus does sound like a friend name and not a wife name. Oh, her name is Mildew. Excuse me. And that's, that's very that's so pretty. And their son's name is Mold. Um, oh, Mold and Mildew. <laughs> yes. Uh, he goes to the bar with his friend named Fergus later. Sorry. Um, what, and what hilarious drinks do they have at the bar? Just slime, actually. Okay, cool. <laughs> just slime. Um, that's kind of, yeah. But they... They say instead of deary to each other, Andrew, they say dreary. Ooh, Get it? Good. Um, when I'm just trying to think like every time any drink that has lime in it, you just put slime in it. Yeah, instead. that's good. Like a slime and Coke. So give me a like a, a gimlet and that's vodka and slime, slime. juice. <laughs> give me a Budweiser Slimerita is what I want. Oh, yeah. Give me a Bud Light Slime. Oh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when they say goodbye to each other, Andrew, they don't say goodbye. Wait, do they say bad bye or they, they say boy bye? Boy bye? Is that where boy bye comes from? I think so. There's a footnote <laughs> that says boy bye corruption of quote boils be with you, but it just looks like they're saying boy bye all the time. I guess where let me look up where goodbye comes from and it see. It must how be it's... God be with you, right? Ooh, maybe. Ooh, maybe. Just keep telling me about this and I'll figure it out. Okay. And so all of this kind of goofy bogeyman, gross stuff and gross wordplay is offset by some more like the existential adultness of Fungus, where when he's looking at himself in the mirror in in the morning, he says, whence and what are thou execrable shape? 
Like he's very, they're all very literary in how they think about the world. And he's riding his bike to work, which is up on the surface. They go up Mm -hmm. to the surface where the dry cleaners live. Mm -hmm. Get it, Andrew? They're dry and they're clean. They're the dry cleaners. Yeah, I get it. They call it is God. It is God be with you. So that's it's a is a play on words that actually goes back to the origins of the phrase (laughs) and then works forward, which is yes, which is which feels like the the typical kind of wordplay that you're finding in this book. It's very British. It take it takes the it pushes away the most obvious wordplay yes. in many cases and then goes one step up and then does that. I think there are also words I don't know that he's making wordplay on. Like at one point the boy says glom and it's spelled in a way that I can't tell if it's supposed to be funny or if it's just a word I don't know. There's lots <laughs> of stuff like that. Okay. Um, but so Fungus is going to work. He has uh, a, like they have a Monsters Inc. style job where uh, our nighttime the bogeyman go up to the surface. They ride their weird little bikes up to the surface and they go to people's houses and mess with them. They rattle around on the roof. Uh, they make noises in the closet. They uh, the the crowning achievement is that they can put a boil on your neck, like they can touch you and grow a boil. Um, so if you grow a boil, it's a bogeyman's fault. Oh no! Um, Monsters think is so wild. It is. And he's, what if there is an entire society that <laughs> where the terror of children was electricity? <laughs> just uh, some kind of some kind of commentary on coal mining or something. I was like watching the- Monsters Inc. the other day, and I. Just it struck me that I don't know what the monster countryside looks like. It's a very it's like in the Matrix Rural where they mon- yeah, sure. only live in the city. Like, are there other places in Monster World where they're generating scream? You well, know, I just like it's it's clearly it exists. The world exists on the same physical plane as our world. It right? does. You're so right. you wouldn't. I don't think you'd want it to be super spread out because it would make. Mm. monsterdom more prone to being discovered yes that's true that's true maybe it's pretty small actually and but i guess the only reason but why would they need cities the only reason that you wouldn't want to be discovered i guess i don't know the extent to which they all think that humans are really gross and icky they're scared or of them. to the extent that like the government has spread that lie oh that's yes that's the implication keep yeah because if humans just know what monsters are and they won't be scared of them anymore and then you can't boom there goes your electricity so yes yes oh man let's this blow this whole thing as wide interesting open. as wondering whether the cars <laughs> in the movie cars are sexually active but it's it's it, like number two. It begs questions. It really yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of questions, while he's doing his job, Fungus is constantly asking himself, like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the point? At one point, he even says... He existential. Yeah, at one point, he says, but do the boils do any good? Like, he he gives a kid a sick boil and, like, says, he's like, I'm really good at this. And then as he's climbing down off the kid's roof, he's like, why do I do this? What is this for? Um, And he's wondering if his son is going to grow up and do the same thing and whether or not any of it's going to be worth it. And then he goes home and goes to bed. (laughs) That's like kind of the book. Just a cog in the monster machine, old fungus, the bogeyman. And it's not quite sure if he is like, if it's from a story perspective, if he's just supposed to be kind of like, 
coming to peace or like you know coming to a, a resting point with his his agita but along the way we just get a lot of windows into bogey culture like how um most of their competitive games are rigged to come to a draw they're a very slow quiet culture because they spend all night like you know scaring people um when they their version of soccer involves like helping the other team score that sounds nice yeah when they play tiddlywinks the goal is to like come to a draw um there is a there's a lot of reverence for cow patty men, Andrew, whose job it is to pick the cow patties up off the ground so that the grass doesn't get too healthy. <laughs> what a weird thing! I love it. I love what it a weird so much. Thing to do. It's really fun. Oh no! It's really silly. Um, also, uh, I'm just like flipping through the book, make sure I don't miss anything as we kind of wrap up our bogey time. Um, there's two main things I want to hit. One is that there's like a little bit of hmm, maybe bogey culture is changing because the bogey youth have some late night bogey television that they that they watch and it's way louder than anything else. And they listen to rock music and there's a page they listen to like bogey Beavis and Butthead yes, or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's a page where there's a bunch of bogey kids all like dressed up. There's one in a rumpled suit next to a couple boxes of Tide. And he's like Tide to detergent. Yes. Like they're okay. all clean now because they're rebels. Get Ooh, it? That would be the way to rebel. Yes. And that is the page that apparently inspired the song Bogey Music. Because they're all dancing by Paul, or, by by Paul, Paul McCartney. McCartney off the album mm. McCartney too, um, and it's offset by a page. It's really sad, actually, about the art that bogeymen like to make. They like to make um, paintings and photographs because they like silent things. They like being quiet, and they have really sad paintings that are like. Still life show bowls of rotting fruit and vases of dead flowers. Landscapes show ditches, dead trees, sewer outflows, and black stagnant lakes. In animal paintings, the subjects are usually dead. Fig- figure paintings depict sad and often sentimental scenes. These paintings are quite touching. They are often about love, mostly forlorn or hopeless love, or about death, particularly the death of bogey babies. Bogey families are often to be seen in tears in front of these pictures. And it's just this, like... Oh, the bogeys are sad. Imagine sad bogeys. Why? I, why wouldn't you rebel against this culture? Like, why? What are you? <laughs> Bogey teens are just like, why are we? Why are we looking at like dead babies and making ourselves sad all the time? That sounds sad. <laughs> I don't know if this sounds like a book I would love reading to my kids. I think so. It sounds like it's the subject matter it's dealing with is too nuanced for a child i think this is a book that you would need to go over multiple times with like a six or seven year old like this is hey boy who likes gross stuff like let's find a book that is about gross stuff but also has a lot of fun words to learn and it's gonna also has a bunch of dark lessons about the way society works that's true that's definitely true um, I do just think like the format is really interesting because it is a mix of like 
comic strip and not like fun textbook like i don't know it's it, it, are the are the textbooky parts kind of world building and yes very much so nature usually okay. yes um there's like a little we see an image of for f- fungus excuse me reading to his son mold who sleeps in what looks like an oversized sardine can and we are seeing his room and there's all sorts of little like one, two, three, four, five bullets that correspond to boxes on the page next to them. And so you get like, there's a poster that says the man in the moon. And there's a whole little thing about why the bogeys think that the man in the moon is a bogeyman. And there's a big doll of, of Humphrey Bogart that, <laughs> that they call Humpty Bogart. Um, and they think that maybe he is actually a bogeyman who, is undercover <laughs> on the surface. I like that explanation for Humphrey Bogart. It's pretty good. Um, and then there's like a whole page where they apparently they they don't write books, but they do have a bunch of books that they took from the surface and then over generations just like rewrote to be about bogeymen. Um, mm-hmm. So you get things like Lady Chatterley's bogey and a portrait of the artist as a young bogeyman. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff like that, and the and that is not like. It's because it's delivered on these big pages. Like I imagine if you were reading it with a kid, you could maybe skip it the first time through. And then there's like fun stuff to go back and point out. Like, I think that's what makes it work for a kid reading it. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like, like a lot, a lot of kids media that is, that is really successful has something to say to both kids and adults. And it sounds like this exists in that space. Otherwise uh, it's, it seems almost like by the time you would be old enough to appreciate everything the book is doing, you would be too old to be reading books like this. It's it's on the cusp. I definitely yeah. think it's on the cusp where it's like you might you might miss most of this at the time you're going to enjoy it the most, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, there is a weird thing and this will close us out. It's just, it's not a struck me funny. It's a struck me weird, um, where there's like a little catalog of what the bogeymen know about the dry cleaners, like the people who live up on the surface. And it like describes the kids and it says where to watch dry cleaners. Dry cleaners live on the surface. There are three main species of dry cleaner, the pinks, the browns and the yellows. There are Uh-oh. no green dry cleaners. Uh-oh. <laughs> Stop. And then it's got like little pictures of three kids that are you know, vaguely correspond to those colors. Oh boy. And I don't It's just not it it mm, maybe you just edit that page out. Maybe now. yeah. <laughs> maybe we don't need that one. Maybe if you're reading this book with your kid you just take that page out, I think. But the art is really fun otherwise, and uh, I like Fungus as a character. He doesn't know why he's doing his job. I feel like that's a, like, 70s vibe that I can get behind. A why are we doing this vibe? Sure. Like, it's not freewheeling 70s. It's like, I was born after the war, and now what does my now generation what? do? Now what happened? Yes. It certainly feels like that. Um. Well, Andrew, should we take a quick break and then you can tell me about tacos? That sounds great.
Craig, we're getting to the end of April, and if you've not done your spring cleaning yet, I don't know what what you're up to. What should I clean this spring? I mean, among other things, you need to clean your nasty mouth, and to help you with that, let me tell you about our friends over at Quip. Please do. Uh, It's time for spring cleaning. Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. I like that Mm. bullet point a lot. <laughs> if you are interested in learning more about Quip, which is a cool electric toothbrush, here's why I like it. They got sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. Because people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive, there's also a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and help you clean your whole mouth evenly. Um, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. That's the hardest thing about electric toothbrushes to me is I use the brush heads until they're nastier than the mouth that I am putting. That kind of defeats the purpose, doesn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, so that's why I love Quip. I think you'll like it too. Um, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash overdue right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's a $5 value for free. Um, at G E T Q U I P.com slash overdue quip, clean out your nasty mouth. I love tacos. They're delicious. Yeah. What do you like about them? I like What's your it. favorite kind of taco? Like you're at a taco restaurant right now and you're ordering a taco. Oh, well, on? that's different. If so I feel like my, I usually try to order small tacos with different things in them. Mm, I like a taco the, the al pastor. Part, sure. Explain to me what that is. Just it's, Well, I know what it is, but maybe the people at home don't know what it like is. Like a pork taco with pineapple and then whatever other sauce that they have. Huh, interesting. Um, I like a shredded meat taco. Do you like like a chorizo? I do like a or chorizo. Or a carnitas. Or a carnitas, yeah. yes. If I'm making it in my house, I have a crispy, crunchy taco that I put some t- ground-up turkey in. Let's go. <laughs> if I Yeah, if I'm making it in my house, Suzanne also is... is It's either ground turkey or you chop up some chicken and you do, do it sure, that way. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, but I do if like you a, put it in with some red onion for a little bit mm, extra crunch. Mm-hmm. You just get a little bag of taco seasoning because you don't got to get too fancy. No, nah, you don't need to make it on your own. They put that stuff just, in the store for you. Yeah. And then just serve it up with a big old bag of lettuce and some maters. It's <laughs> true. I usually cut up too much lettuce and put it in a lettuce bowl. For I don't serving. even cup a lettuce. I just yank open a bag of that shredded stuff and then eat the rest of it in a salad or something. Okay. We have a lot of time to talk about tacos because this book is not that long. There's not a, as much of this book as there was of yours. But um, Dragons Love Tacos is a New York Times bestseller published in 2012 by um, author Adam Rubin and uh, illustrator Daniel Salmieri. Sure. So um, they had they've worked together on a bunch of stuff like both both before and after this book. Um, Ruben was a, was an ad man. He was working in, in advertising, writing copy. And that was, was his day job until he had done like half a dozen books with Salmieri. But, um, yeah, uh, a mutual friend introduced the two of them and they wrote this. He drafted this book, those darn squirrels and got it published Mm. along with Salmieri and they, 
did five others. I believe the the fifth one and their big giant breakout book was Dragon's Love Tacos. Okay. Spent 52 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a year. Yeah, that's a year. Um <laughs> other books that they I agree that is a year. The other books that they've collaborated on include Robo Sauce, Secret Pizza Party, uh, Big Bad Bubble, Those Darn Squirrels, Those Darn Squirrels, and The Cat Next Door, and Those Darn Squirrels Fly South. So a lot of squirrel-based books yes. that they're doing. I, and then I, there is there is a Dragon's Love Tacos 2, the sequel. That's a good name. That's a good mm-hmm. name. I've seen Secret Pizza Party out there in the world, and it's like a raccoon, I think, that wants to eat pizza, mm-hmm. which seems good. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't <laughs> want it to eat my pizza, but like I believe that a raccoon would want pizza and that it would need to be a secret or else the cops are going to get involved. Sure. Uh. They are little thieves. <laughs> Raccoons are gross, big, like gross, big thief cats. I don't know. What, it's not my favorite. What purpose does the shape of a raccoon's body serve it in stealing stuff? Because I just I think of a raccoon worth smaller and thinner like a weasel? It would be impossible to stop them. Yeah, like if it was shaped more like a ferret, it would just be you couldn't stop them. But mostly just like get a raccoon to jump through a tire and get stuck and then you catch it. And I you guess. say no I'm pizza just, like, for if, you. If, if raccoons were not big, fat, dopey looking <laughs> rodent things, then they would just be too powerful. So they, they are oh, what they, they are because God, yes. God needed to limit them. <laughs> okay. I think that makes so sense. So that man could become the dominant species on the planet. That's true. We are perfect. Mm-hmm. Let's the, let that let the record show. It's us, raccoons, dolphins in that order. In that order, yeah. Yes. Raccoons are crafty. Um, so what's this book about? So the book is formatted like part as a sort of how-to or like informational guide to Sensing dragons. Okay, cool. I like and that. And part as a story about one specific dragon taco related incident. Uh-oh. The thing that I think is is really funny about this and I don't know how common this is among kids authors more generally, but neither of them had any kids when they wrote this book and I guess I don't know I guess I'm curious about how you get into that headspace like writing for kids if you if you oh, haven't sure. had one yourself. I think if you've experienced children's fiction as a child, maybe you can get back there. Yeah, yeah. What's like the narrator tone like? Like what is um, Let me just read the you the vibe. first page here. Sure. Hey kid, Whoa. did you know that dragons love tacos? They love beef tacos and chicken tacos. They love really big gigantic tacos and tiny little baby tacos as well. So if that is not if that doesn't key you in where bogeyman is apparently for like college sophomores, <laughs> this book exists somewhere between like run spot run and like act like chapter books i guess they would be called or maybe even some of the denser like dr seuss books well it's interesting that the book is talking to the narrator is talking to the kid like it's not to you a kid yeah, yeah. it's not just oh the who like imagine a parent reading it to a kid they might you know 
once there was a yada yada yada. It's not once there was a dragon who loved tacos. It's like, yo, right. kid, I'm gonna hey, grab did you, you know by the dragons the shirt are... collar. Have you heard? And dragons it's not even tacos. It's not even the first thing isn't even, hey kid, did you know that dragons are real? Yes. It's hey kid, did you know that dragons love tacos? <laughs> and so it's throwing you into the deep end. And it's it is very I don't know. I think it plays into like a kid's imagination by being like, yeah, dragons are real and they do like tacos. It's just like it's 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 jumping right in and just kind of being a little silly about it. Why do dragons love tacos? Maybe it's the smell from the sizzling pan. Maybe it's the crunch of the crispy tortillas. Maybe it's a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I did. I saw an interview with um, Ruben, I think, where he talked about it. it, The narrator voice being he talked about it mm, very cheesy he talked about it being like a older brother like making up a secret and sharing it with you i think what it's like the older brother who lets you in on a secret but doesn't actually know what he's talking about that's fair yeah <laughs> yeah i like the idea that's like, like those I've got calvin stuff and hobbs, to tell you even like those calvin and hobbs bits where Calvin's dad is just lying to Calvin. Yes, true. <laughs> Which I think are Susanna's favorite Calvin and Hobbes bits. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it starts, hey, dragons love tacos. We don't know why, they just do. This is the way the world is. Okay. <laughs> um, and, then, and then it says, but wait, as much as dragons love tacos, they hate spicy salsa even more. And you would think, dragons, they got fire in the belly. They could run for president. But no, they... When you give them spicy, it makes their tummies upset. And it makes when it makes their tummies upset, they start to like smoke and spark and barf out fire. It's just they don't want spicy food. Okay. That seems like there's a tension there. There is a, te- there is a tension there, isn't there? If you want to make tacos for dragons, keep the toppings mild. Tomatoes, lettuce, cheese. These are all good toppings for tacos for dragons. And let me, since you did this for me, I'll show you. Here's the illustration. It's just very big, like very colorful. Like check marks. Ooh, look silly, at that dragon. Yeah, silly illustration just showing you what's going on. So, yeah, it is it is clearly for a younger audience than sure. the, the bogey book. Yeah, um, the thing. Okay, so the one thing that bogeyman has that it doesn't sound like tacos, like even you just showing me that is like there's not extraneous background information right no it is telling you everything you need to know but i'm I'm just even saying like visually it is very upfront about what you are looking at at any given moment um whereas the the next page like fact three (laughs) that you need to know is that dragons love parties and so the background like visual information you get is like these little scenes of dragons loving different kinds of parties gives you some stuff to look at but it's not too varied well, no, and it's not like world building. It's just like here are here is here's some interesting stuff so you notice something different every time you read this book with your kid 300 times. Yeah, cuz <laughs> because I'm, that's my understanding of how kids books go. Okay, cuz I am this is a fun podcast that we're doing where we're just holding up books to webcams at each other. Um Listen, I'm ex- I'm describing it as I as no, I no, no, no. show you it, you did this to me first. I'm just following your lead. No, I'm just saying that like one of the running things within fungus is that they'll be in like tunnels and there's just like graffiti on the walls that says like silence is deep as eternity 
speech is shallow as time and nothing comments on it but that's a thing you could just discover yeah see i just don't get why your book wants me to (laughs) be falling endlessly into a pit of despair like i just don't why does your book hate my kid i don't know (laughs) is my question (laughs) okay so they love parties what comes next do they so, not yeah, like those, spicy those parties? Are, those are the three things. They love tacos, they don't like spicy salsa, and they love parties. So if you really want to make friends with a dragon, this is the back half of the book mostly, is if you, is why don't you have a taco party for dragons? <laughs> okay. And so he has a taco. The kid has a taco party. This is sort of where it diverges from being about Man, I'm on this. I'm reading this. I had a mental floss article uh-huh. pulled up because it was an interview with Ruben, and there are like seven autoplay videos, and I need to close the tab because I'm too distracted. Okay. The one it's about, it's an interview with Adam Rubin, but the autoplay video is about how to remove gum from jeans. So it's what a good, what a good website, mental floss. <laughs> So the back half of the book is about a specific dragon taco party that you're having. And it's just like, yeah, just remember they hate spicy salsa. If you're going to have this party, uh, bury the spicy salsa in the backyard so the dragons can't find it, it says. And it's showing what a great taco dragon party that you're having. But, oh no, the super mild salsa that you served, they added little green spicy jalapeno bits. Who did? The good salsa company. No, eat big they salsa. Added, no, they add now with spicy jalapeno peppers. Says the label on the bottle I, of totally mild salsa. I oh no, <laughs> I bought the wrong salsa. And listen, we've all bought the wrong salsa. Yeah, I think you yelled at me about salsa that I bought not that long ago because that's, it wasn't spicy enough. That's not true. I but bought, it was the only salsa that they had. I bought that salsa. Well, then who yelled at you? It wasn't me. I, I, like st- salsa. I still yelled about the salsa. I'm oh, you just yelled, the one who okay. bought it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then the last part of the book is, oh no, you played yourself. The dragons are eating the spicy salsa and they burn your house down. No way, really? Yeah. <laughs> There's just this two-page illustration of oh, dragons torching your house because no. they ate spicy salsa at your taco party. Oh, no. But then the book is like, well, the dragons feel kind of bad about it. And so they all came and they rebuilt your house because they like the tacos that you're serving them while they rebuild your house. And then at the end of the book, you've got a new house. Everything's fine. And are your... Just are remember the, the, what? Are the dragons your friends now? Yeah, the dragons were your friends. I mean, they because they love tacos so much. You got tacos. It's just you accidentally gave them that salsa. Huh. But you paid the price for that one because oh, your house got man. burned down. Okay. So that's like it. There's not a lot else to talk about. There's not... <laughs> like, this isn't a commentary on the Crimean War or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> like, not it's not some sort of treatise on being dirty and feeling bad about it or something. Um, or like about the evils of capitalism or something. No, it's just like dragons love tacos. They don't like salsa. They like parties. What would happen if you did two of those things right, but one of them wrong? Oh yeah, your house. Would so burn here's down. a here's a question. It is okay. teaching you 
explicitly in the book, it's teaching you about dragons. It's like, here's some facts about dragons, right? Yes. It right. presumes knowledge of tacos, though. Yeah. So the narrator isn't teaching about tacos. So if you're a little kid reading this book and you have questions about tacos, like the reader, you know, parent is going to have to help you learn some extra taco facts. Well, the, the illustration, the text mentioned tortillas, the illustration shows like here's meat cooking in a pan. I showed you the illustration of like cheese, lettuce, okay. tomato. Okay. The illustrations are there for you to describe what tacos are to your children sure if you if you need help with that but it is it is kind of of the genre of kids book that is just let's learn how to read yes and we're gonna introduce some silly concepts and pictures to help keep the kids attention sure but we are not quite to the place where they can be learning lessons yet like real world lessons that are applicable to their real lives or or there might be other books for learning lessons and the cuz i think there are books at that reading level that are about like sharing or about it being okay to like feel sad or yeah, angry yeah like if you're, if you're thinking about like a green eggs and ham or something it's it is very much a this is the first book I read. I could read myself kind of book, but yes. also it's about not being a curmudgeon who won't try new things. Sure. Yes, correct. This is more like, hey, here's it's just fun to think this about. Is just, stuff. This is just some silly fun, and maybe you will learn what some of the letters look and sound like yeah. as I read you this book. Yeah. Well, and I kind of like that it it isn't like, oh, there's dragons out there. It's just like, yo, there are dragons. And they it's like I, you said that earlier. Just dragons love tacos. In the world of this book, dragons just exist. Dragons not, exist, and they love tacos. And these are two things, and you're that a, you should know. And you're a kid, and you've probably heard of and like tacos. So like, they're just as real as dragons. Isn't that neat, huh? Yeah. And there's some like there. I I think if you were reading this with a book, you see like they all the dragons are very like differently illustrated, and they have lots of personality and like some of them are eating tacos off their own tummies mm. like there's there is a lot to point at and laugh at and oh, then sure. i bet i bet this book has inspired many a request for a taco night from a real child that is like the genius of their like let's do stuff about food angle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kids need to eat kids, kids have you a... need to eat and sometimes it's hard to feed them <laughs> <laughs> they have opinions about food, so why not build positive opinions about all sorts all sorts of food? Yeah. Um that sounds good. I think it does sound good. Like a taco. I want to eat it. I did I did want a taco after I read this book. I want a taco right now. I don't want a bogeyman. Do you like a hard shell taco or a soft shell taco? Better? Um if I am getting them from a professional taco place, I like a a soft corn tortilla that sometimes it's that like double layer tortilla so it's mm, it can yeah. it can handle the meat um at home i like a a crispy corn tortilla um cuz i feel like if it's a flour large one i i i pick too large of a tortilla or the Corn ones at home always fall apart. We actually, the uh, Chi Chi's makes a wheat tortilla that is not bad. Okay, for okay. wheat tortilla, like Ed, like the part. The problem with wheat tortillas is that they don't they soft tortillas anyway. Is they have insufficient flex, very insufficient. And they flex. are not, and they are not soft enough. But the Chi Chi's ones are pretty good. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I really like a, a hard shell taco in theory, but in practice, either you're buying them for home and they all break in the box mm. or you're buying them at a place and it breaks in an inconvenient way, like halfway through your taco yeah. and just makes a big taco mess. Yeah. I don't want a taco mess. And I guess like that just makes, oh, like here's a free taco salad that I can eat after. But I don't know, that's... <laughs> If I wanted to eat food with a fork, I could have done that somewhere else. <laughs> There's a version. I guess we're, you know, this is get. Let's get into the weeds here. Let's we're get all. We're just winding down. We're just filling the time. Let's, you know, let's get all fungus and, and existential about it. Like if I go, if I want, if it's taco night, I want as close to the tacos I ate as a kid as I can. Which so is, what does that mean? That is a crispy corn tortilla with the tacos spice out of a packet on whatever meat i can get with some shredded cheese tomatoes and lettuce like that is like a home style taco that's pretty much what we did too we also did um sour cream and black olives actually which i enjoy but i know black olives are a divisive food i'm okay on both those things now i was not okay with those things as a kid yeah. if i'm well, going nowadays nowadays like Susanna doesn't like that stuff that much so we don't get it because it's not worth it to get it yes. just for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> you have to set it out for yourself and it's not worth it but like if i'm going to get tacos at lunch like i want fancy tacos if i'm sure. like at a restaurant that's, well, that's where you get that's where you get that guac up in there you get a guac up in there Oh, I've started putting refried beans in my tacos at home, though, too. I still don't love refried beans. Just the texture and do you the need, look of them. Do you them. think you need to fry them a third time? Would you like them more? Re-refried beans? Yeah. No, I think just the first time. Can you de- first time is good. Can you defry beans? I feel like that's a kind of a deconstructed trendy i think that what that's what you call just beans that you like boiled or you got right out of a can or something at a fancy restaurant is like deep fried beans i want to run a restaurant with a bunch of bad food like that you probably could if you lived in like bogey worlds i depressing bogey land oh man i'm gonna go to bogey land and open my deep fried bean counter <laughs> Um, well that's what i got that's the episode thanks everybody for listening um to our gross delicious podcast um if you want to email us about your favorite tacos you can do that at overduepod at gmail.com or hit us up online at twitter.com slash overduepod or facebook.com slash overduepod thanks to michelle steve carol kevin melanie felina annie and many more for making us feel good throughout the week by hitting us up there. Um, don't forget this episode was celebrating Children's Book Week. Go check that out at your local library. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? They should go to overduepodcast.com. That is our interwet, internet website. Our up internet there we have li- websites. It's, it's our internet website, which is what they call internet websites in Bogeyland. True. Um, up there, we have links to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, RSS, all the ways you can subscribe to the show. We are also available in Spotify and Stitcher if you prefer to listen that way. Um, and we have a new listener page you can go to to find new episodes. Um, we've heard, we've heard, we hear a lot from people who just like read a book and then search for it on Spotify or iTunes and just find our show, which is cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. That's why we read. That's why we have read almost 400 books. Is we're just trying to get that SEO juice. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Next week, I believe I am reading Middlemarch yeah. by George Eliot, correct? That is correct. We'll put out the rest right. of the May schedule sometime this week. Keep an eye out yes. for it. Yeah, yeah, All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And until we talk to you next Monday, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.